Hi there, you're listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. TCC, a home for you. All right, it's good to see everybody this morning. Oh, am I on? I am on. John got me, baby. It's tough being a sign man. How many of you know that? The only time they look at the sign man is when things go wrong. When things go right, you don't even know he's back there, right? Everybody give it up for John back there. He's all Christmassy, he got his Christmas sweater on, I like it. I would love to be a sweater guy. I don't know if you guys have noticed this or not. I sweat occasionally. I would sweat in Antarctica in shorts and a T-shirt, just the way that we're built. Um, before we get rolling, I just felt real strong in my heart. I sensed this morning God is wanting to continue to pour out revelation on us. Um, now, when I say revelation, I'm not talking about the last book of the Bible that's scary. Revelation is God's heart and his will for us. And sometimes... We get in these spiritual ruts. Have you ever been in a rut before? You know, so I like to bike ride. My, wife, my daughter and I, we bike ride in White Clay Creek. I'll, I'll bike ride with, with Ward Kiever. And some of the trails that are super worn, these ruts get really deep. And if you get your bike stuck in one of these ruts, you can't get out of them. And sometimes you could eat, eat dirt because you, your, your pedals get stuck and you go right in there. Do you know that sometimes we have spiritual ruts? Those are things that keep us from God's revelation and him expanding our spiritual understanding of who he is. We're stuck, and maybe, maybe the rut is formed because of how you grew up. Maybe the rut is formed because you got hurt in a church. And, you know, sometimes, and I know you don't do this, but other Christians do this. They will limit God to fit their understanding instead of allowing God to expand us. You know you're not God, right? You know that? His ways are not your ways. So I want to encourage you in this moment. Some of you have been seeking God and you feel like you're in your faith, you're hitting this brick wall. Open your heart to the revelation of God and give him permission to move you beyond your spiritual ruts. Dude, just bow your heads just for a second. If you can, just lift your hands for a second. It's just a sign of surrender. You just say right now, Holy Spirit, we give you permission to move us beyond our ruts. If there's things in us, Lord, that keep us stuck, we give you permission to remove those things in the name of Jesus. And just right now, let those things go. Let your heart be open to the new things that God wants to do in your life. All right. Amen. Um, real quick, I want to talk about the concert. We've got the concert coming up. Jason Gray and Aaron Schust. I've seen Jason. I've been a part of stuff that he's done live. He's absolutely incredible. I think he's got a show on XM Radio. That's ridiculous. Uh, Aaron Schust, you've heard of this. He's got three or four big hits on K-Love. He's on now. It's an incredible opportunity. We felt like for this weekend, we were going to drop ticket prices. Tickets are 10 bucks a piece, which is nuts. So today, if you get tickets, you get them, you get them for 10 bucks a piece. Get them for you, your family. Get them for everybody. The house will be filled. It'll be great. We are giving away a set of tickets. Who here would like a free set of tickets to the Jason Gray and Juice concert? So I'm going to throw this ball. If not, you guys in the back, you're out of luck. I'm sorry. <laughs> TJ doesn't throw the ball that far anymore. So, but if you catch us, put your hand up if you'd like tickets to the Aaron Schuster concert. Here we go. Come on, oh, look at that, baby. I felt like we were, we were at the stadium. That was great. Did you see that? I'm going to need medical attention later. The wing's not what it used to be. Um, it was brought to my attention, too, and I didn't even think about this. Today is the three-year anniversary from where Robin and I came to be with you guys. Isn't that crazy? 
Do you know how much crazy stuff we've been through together in the last three years? Pandemics and all kind of other stuff. And even if we didn't have that stuff, some of y'all are crazy. And you know who you are. You're like, yeah, I kind of am, right? Um, it's good to be here with you. I'm, I'm always, um, I'm humbled at how God puts all the pieces together for his kingdom. Humbled. Um, and anytime you get into a place in your life and you don't think that God's in control and you don't think that, you know, he thinks things are going under the radar, let me encourage you. None of that is true. Nothing happens in your life through you or to you that God's not aware of. And he's always creating pathways for us to uh, be in alignment with his big plan. He loves you so much, he's got a piece for you to play, a part for you to play. Um, so we are continuing in our Easter series, our Easter series, oh gosh. Can you tell what I've been thinking about already? Isn't it kind of nuts? Uh, we've been talking about the Christmas season, and it's been nuts. Uh, we did this, you know, Saturday Night Live thing yesterday, or Saturday Night Lights thing yesterday, and it was absolutely crazy. And the thing that made it, it weird was you just, we had no idea what was going to happen. How many of you know that unexpected things can be good or bad? So one of the fun things about living in, in, in cities that you, you didn't grow up in is you get to experience the culture of different areas. So, you know, Robin and I grew up in Pittsburgh. Uh, we lived for 10 years in Chicago. Has anybody here ever been to Chicago? Chicago Deep Dish Pizza. I am a fan. I'm a fan of all pizza. I don't, I'm sorry. You pizza snobs, just eat it and be quiet. Right? Uh, we spent 10 years there. You get to immerse yourself in the culture. I got to do sports things. You know, I got to see a uh, Bulls game and stuff right after Jordan retired. Dumb. And then we spent 10 years in Colorado. And Colorado's got its own kind of vibe, the land of Sasquatch and all those other things. And then, you know, my, my son and I, me and Tyler, we got to see uh, the Steelers play against the Broncos when Tim Tebow beat us and he threw for 316 yards. That was a terrible day. I know it was great for Christians and Tim Tebow, but bad for Steeler fans. And then coming here, it was kind of neat. You know, we live on, grew up on the southwestern part of the state, but here in the east, you've got Philly and you've got Baltimore, like the Ravens, but we don't talk about them, and all those other things. And, and it's been cool to be able to go to like different sporting events to see your teams. And uh, about a year ago, somebody called in our neighborhood and they said, hey, I got two tickets for the Eagles in the Steelers preseason game. Do you want to go? So I'm thinking, that'd be nice. Now, it just happened to be that day, I think it was 100 degrees here, and I'm thinking, I don't know if I want to go to a stadium with, you know, 50,000 of my closest friends when it's 100 degrees. And then I looked at the tickets, and the tickets, this is me and Toby, are right at the opposing bench, which is my team, right down, they were great. Have you ever been to a sporting event? So let's just be real. Can we be real here? You go to the sporting event for part to see your favorite team compete, but the other big part of it is to eat the food. Right? I'm sorry. When you go there, has anybody in this room ever been to a sporting event and you're not eating anything? I have a word for you. Liar. Right? So we get down to our seats and everything's great. And Toby looks at me because I'm hungry. I'm like, of course you are. So I thought to myself, I'll just run up to the stand real quick, pop in real quick, get something to eat and come back down. Like 20 minutes later, I'm waiting in this line and I get everything I can think of. He wants a hot dog. He wants pizza. And so I get all the stuff. They grab all the stuff. And I'm in there 20 minutes. I get down to our seats. I open the pizza box and I see this. Do you see that? I don't know if you can tell how small that is. Look at my thumb. You remember them personal pan pizzas from, from Pizza Hut? This would be a mini personal pan pizza. And they put it in a box to deceive us. That's what they did. Handed me the box, and I was, I was very upset. 
You know, now don't get me wrong, I ate it quickly, but I was very upset. Have you ever had, you know, you, 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 you experienced something that you didn't expect? Now, sometimes you get more than you want, but a lot of times you get less than you want, right? When you look at the story of Christmas, the nature of the whole thing is completely unexpected. God threw mankind a curveball. He did. I mean, think about it. If you were to send someone to liberate your people, in my mind, that someone is fierce and big and strong and could command the English language or whatever language you're speaking. He is a leader and, and all these great things. And here, Christmas, Jesus' answer to a world of darkness was a baby. He came in a very unexpected way. So this entire month, we've been talking about how Christmas entered our world in an unexpected way. So last week, we started everything off by talking about how, how God introduced, reintroduced hope to the world through Christmas, through the Christ child. We looked at how the fundamental element of hope is trust. You can't hope in God unless you trust God. Now today, we take another step, and we look at another benefit that we receive from Christmas. Another thing that God gives us when we... Um, enter into a life agreement with him, give our hearts to him like Chip talked about. And that benefit is peace. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 2. <clears throat> if you've got our, our app, you can get all my notes if you have our app. If you have the Bible uh, app, the Bible.com app, if you look under live events, look for Trinity, you get all my notes. It's a great story. Luke 2, starting at verse 8, says this. <clears throat> That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. Now let me tell you why they were terrified. 2,000 years ago they didn't have movies. They didn't have, you know, iPods, iPhones. You didn't have any of that stuff. You know, they had scrolls. Didn't have music. Didn't have the internet. So can you imagine as a shepherd, you're sitting in the field with your sheep, and all of a sudden, in the heavens, there's a light show. How many of you would be unnerved today if an angel showed up, angels in a light show, and you see, we got all the good stuff. Imagine back in the day, so they were a little, dare I say, nervous. Wouldn't you be nervous? But the angel said this. He reassured them. He says, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that'll bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Verse 12. And you'll recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped in snuggly strips of cloth lying in a manger. It says, suddenly the angel was joined with a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God. Now, this is not like your run-of-the-mill Philadelphia cream cheese angels. This is the host of heaven. The armies of heaven have been emptied. So if you think you were unstable before, instability is right ahead of you right now because the angels are filling the sky. And they said this, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. So peace was so important to God to be declared on the earth, he sent the armies of heaven to declare it over the world. Now what's strange is this, the angels said it, but even as they said it, the world did not receive peace everywhere. Don't you wish you had the power to speak peace and whatever situation you're in just was automatically peaceful? Amen. How many of you have children? How many of you have more than one child? 
because one child doesn't qualify you for this. Right? You hear ruckus, you hear things going on, and the kids, you know, one kid's got the other one in the headlock, one's got their finger up their nose, and they're doing all kind of stuff. And you can say whatever you want from the, you know, from the kitchen, and how many of you know, you know, the louder you get, that really settles them down, right? Wouldn't you love to be able to come in and say, peace, and they just sit there as quiet little angels? But instead, they don't do that, do they? They force you to do other things, like threaten them with bodily harm and death, Right? I would love to have the power to say, peace be still, and everything would be, would be full of peace. But let's just be real. How on earth can we have peace on the planet when we can barely have peace with each other? Some of you just got through Thanksgiving, and you, you went through the entire meal holding your breath and biting your tongue because of that uncle, because of that aunt, because of that rotten brother, that dumb sister, and all the things they post on the Facebook. By the way, it's okay to step away from social media every once in a while. If you're laying in bed and your eyes are twitching because of something that somebody posted, can I let you, let me, let me give you some wisdom from the immortal words of Frozen. Let it go, let it go, and just shut it off. I remember we were in Denver, and uh, I got a call from the mayor of our city. He was a cool guy. He gave his heart to Christ in our church fully devoted to follow Christ. He goes, man, he goes, I, I need a favor. I said, what? He goes, well, I got these two residents. A tree fell down during this winter storm. He said, it's on both of their property. They're claiming it's the other person's tree and they're losing their mind. They're calling my office every day. He said, can the church help to bring peace to this situation? I said, absolutely. We're the church. It's what we do. So we put together about eight, 10 guys, chainsaw team, and we went to their house and we knocked on the doors. We said, hey, we're here from Mosaic Church. We're going to help you. We're going to cut down the tree. We will split the wood evenly so you guys both get wood. Is that okay? Oh, that'll be great. Thank you so much. You guys are amazing. So our guys go in, they cut up this tree. They stack up the tree. They clean up the yard. We even take out the stump. We don't mess around. Don't do things halfway. Do it all, baby. As we're leaving... The neighbors are both at their doors. They're there to thank us. They catch eyes of each other, and they start to cuss each other out again. While we're there with the church van. You no good. How many of you know that the tree was not their problem to achieving peace? just wasn't. You know, sometimes we think peace has to do with our situations. It doesn't. You can have all the money in the world and not have peace. You can have all the stuff in the world. You can be as insulated as you want to be and not have peace. Why? Because peace is not an outside thing. Peace is an inside thing. So when peace was promised and spoken over to us by the angels, you have to realize something. When the angels declared peace, it was a conditional peace. What do you mean a conditional peace? Look at the passage again. This is what the passage says. Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. What's the condition? You experience peace when you become one of those people with whom God is pleased. So what does that mean for us? It means this. When you follow God's ways, one of the results of following the path that God's laid before you is his perfect peace. That means this. Even now in your Christian walk, if you're encountering things and you're not feeling peace, you're not doing it right. Something's wrong. There's a missing piece 
that you're looking for. What did we talk about last week? We talked about how peace is a gauge to understanding how much we really trust God, right? So if you're not experiencing peace, it's a promise to us for those with whom God is pleased, then there's something wrong. So how do we experience peace? What does experience peace every day as a believer look like? If you've got your Bibles, flip over to Isaiah chapter 26. We're going to live there for a little bit. By the way, make sure you bring you know, your phone, your Bible, something. Get your eyeballs on, on the Word so you know where to find what you believe. Now, this screen's great. Aren't you glad that the letters are big? The number, aren't you glad they're big? I did that for you. Actually, I did that for me. You should see my iPad. I got like three words per each page. I'm like, God loves you. Hit the button. Yes, he does. Hit the button. Right? Because my next step is bifocals. I'm, I'm not ready for that yet. She looked at me, my optometrist. She said, you need bifocals. I said, don't you speak words like that to me. I got an iPad. This is what Isaiah 26.3 says, and I believe this is a blueprint for us to be pleasing to God and then to experience peace. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you and all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Again, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you and all whose thoughts are fixed on you. So what in this passage can we glean to help us to live a life filled with peace? First, peace, peace begins with faith. You can't have peace without faith. You can't. The basic element of faith is trust. Know this, beloved. Faith is the currency of the kingdom. Nothing in the kingdom moves, happens, is established without a healthy dose of faith. Now, the essence of faith is trusting in God completely. You cannot be a fully devoted follower of Christ without the element of trusting God. You just can't. So for us, what does faith in God look like? Well, it starts first in this place. First, you have to check God's credentials. Now, what does it mean to check God's credentials? Why do we need to check God's credentials first? Because understand this, beloved. God is the one that sets the terms on what he can do, not us. Have you ever noticed this? You know, the longer you walk in faith, the more that you take the supernatural out of the equation, the more... You know, God operates under the power you have rather than vice versa. We don't set the limitations for God. God sets the limitations for us. So what limitations do we as humans have when we serve a limitless God? None. Nothing's impossible with him. Nothing. This all starts with checking the credentials because you want to see if God can do all the stuff that he says he can do. Have you ever you know, done your homework and checked the credentials for something. Maybe you guys get on Yelp if you're going to go to a restaurant. You want to see if it's any good. Or the best place we do this is with Amazon. How many of you ever bought something off Amazon? All the Amazon products, they're the next great, you know, the greatest thing you could ever happen. And then you've got to read the reviews to see if this stuff really can do what it says it can do, right? Um, and it's incredible. So I had, um, I had a problem. This was during the pandemic. We just got into the building. I was working up here. The well was closed. We, weren't, we were doing just some limited stuff out of there. And, uh, and we, we came up here, and I, I'd work here, but we had an issue. We had a, a, a serious problem. We had a goose problem. Have you ever encountered a goose? You know, I've heard that you can eat them, but I heard they're not very good. The only thing that I know that geese are good for at this moment 
is to poop. So we had flocks of geese that made this their domain, and they drove me nuts. I'd sit up here, and there were geese everywhere. You walk out, and they'd fly over your head, and you don't want to get pooped on or any of that stuff. So I didn't know what to do, so I called a few people, and apparently dogs get rid of geese. So I think Michael Periscavish brought his dogs up, and he ran off these geese, and everything was fine, except all of the geese left but three. Now, I have my theories on why it was just three. I think all of the flocks got together, and they all, you know, made known, they all gave up their greatest goose warrior, and they said, listen, we're all leaving, but we're coming back someday. So they made the SEAL Team 6 of geese, and they said, you three are going to stay here to harass the chunky Greek guy until he leaves because we're all coming back. So literally, I would sit here all day, the geese would come up, they would peck on the doors, on the glass, I'd run outside, the geese would run away, and they'd honk at me, and they knew how far to go, because they knew how far I was willing to go, and it wasn't very far. They, could, they knew how far to get away from my throat, and I would tell people this, and they thought I was nuts, until one day, my friend Anne-Marie caught on the security footage the geese harassing me. So this, this became a serious situation. I didn't know what to do. I couldn't get rid of these stupid three geese. So I did what a lot of you do. I turned to the world of Amazon. And I said, I got to find me a product that'll get rid of geese. So I'm looking on, on Amazon and I find these. You can go to the next slide. These are, and apparently geese don't like owls, if you don't know that. But well, hold on to that thought. But these, these are not just normal, green, weird looking owls. These are special. They're solar powered. They blink and they emit sounds that are supposed to scare not just geese, but any rodent, dogs, even guinea pigs. If you got guinea pigs running around your house, I didn't know they were native to Delaware, but maybe they are. I don't know. So I, I, bought, these, I bought these owls and I put them in the yard and I waited for these three stupid geese to come by because they, they were done. They, they, they finally met their match. And to my horror, what I found out was this. These owls didn't detract the geese. They attracted them. Almost like little goose DJs. It was the weirdest thing. And not only did I have the three, but the flock started coming back and they would hang out with the owls. I took video of it. I was so mad. You know what I did? I went back on Amazon and I left a bad review. Like a half a star review. And I posted my video so I could put these jokers out of business. That's what checking the credentials looks like. Now, understand this, beloved. When you check God's credentials, the first thing you have to ask yourself is this. Can God actually do what he says he could do? Unlike those owls that can't do anything, can God do exactly what he says he can do? How do we find out what God says he can do? You open the Bible. You read what God can do in the Bible. The Bible is God telling you what he can do in his own words. This is another reason why we anchor our faith to the Word, not just to us, not just to our own experiences. You've got to know the Word in order to understand what God's limitations are. Now, Jesus had an amazing encounter in the Word with a father that was starting to understand the possibilities of what God could do. He had a sick baby, a sick, sick son. As parents, what wouldn't you do? For a sick child. How far 
I mean, how far would you be willing to go to see your child experience health and wholeness again? That's where this dad was at. If you got your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 9. This boy was, or this, this dad was at the end. He didn't know what to do. But he heard about this guy that when he prayed for people, they'd be healed. He heard that he would pray for people and blind eyes would open. Um, those that had, were demonized, demons would come out. He did incredible miracles. He turned water to wine. He turned you know, loaves and fishes into feasts for thousands. So after hearing these things, in the heart of this dad was the spark of hope. This is where we find him. It says, so they brought the boy. But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion. And he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. Verse 21. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy. The spirit often throws him into the fire, into the water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What was the dad doing in that moment? He was putting his own limitations onto Jesus. If you can. Now, I know nobody in this room ever does that. I know we never put our own limitations or understanding onto who Jesus is and who God is. I'm not sure if God can do that. I've never seen that. I'm not sure God does that anymore. I'm not sure that, you know, God is capable of, oh, beloved, please be careful. Be careful not to limit God with your experience and your fears and your hurts. Look how Jesus responds. He says, what do you mean if I can, Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. What does he do with the father's doubt? He replaces it with faith. No, no, no. Not only did you come to the right place, but let me just, let me just you know, explain something to you. Not only can I get this done, but anything is possible if a person believes. Not just me. If you do things in my name, he wasn't speaking to just that guy then. He was speaking to us today. That's us. Verse 24. I love the response of the dad. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. God is not afraid of your unbelief. He's not here to punish you because of your unbelief. He's there to help you to see. That's what he does. Verse 25. When Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak. He said, I command you to come out of this child and to never enter him again. Verse 26. Then the spirit screamed and it threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as the people said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and he helped him to his feet and he stood up. You know, Jesus is not derailed by the times that we struggle to believe. He's there to help us. God is always willing and able to expand our understanding of not just who he is, but what he wants to do through us. Do you know that God wants to touch the world through you and through me? He's always expanding those things, but he can only do that if you let him, if you say yes. He's got plenty of power. He's looking for people with an open heart to say yes, to deliver what he has. This is what Ephesians 3.20 says. Now to the God who can do so many awe-inspiring things, immeasurable things, things greater than we could ever ask or imagine through the power at work in, in who? 
in us. Did you read those words? Awe-inspiring things, immeasurable things, things greater than we could ever ask and imagine through the power at work in. How does he do those things? Through? You're catching on. This is really good. I think we've had a good time today. Right? To him be all the glory in the church and in Jesus the anointed from this generation to the next forever and ever and amen. So we check God's credentials by looking at the claims of the things that he says he can do. When you look at the word, is there anything that God can't do? Nothing. There's nothing he can't do. God loves to mess up our impossible situations by coming down and making things possible. But you have to let him. You have to let him move in you like that. So that's the first thing we do. We check his credentials. The second thing we do, again, in order to walk in faith, is this. We remember what God has done in the past. Our lives are breathing, living examples of God's faithfulness to us. Not just today, but through all the generations. Do you know that when God created you, he created you to be a living story? A living storybook of his faithfulness, of how amazing that he is. We're books that were meant to be read by everybody that walks around us, that everybody, that they live around us. Do you know that people are watching your life that you don't even realize that they are? And your life displays God's faithfulness or displays other things. This is why we're always, you know, conscious of what we're displaying. Second Corinthians 3 puts it this way. This is Paul speaking to the church in Corinth. He says, you're our letter. Every word burned onto our hearts to be read by everyone. I love this. You're the living letter of the anointed one, the liberating king, nurtured by us and inscribed not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. A letter too passionate to be chiseled onto stone tablets, but emblazoned upon the human heart. God's spirit. God has marked you with his spirit. So when people see you, they see the spirit of God inside of your life operating and moving. That just gets my motor rolling. That's what God created us to be as believers. It's not a drudgery. It's not like, oh, I gotta go to church. Oh, I gotta figure this thing out. It's exciting to be a believer. He created us to have our hearts on fire for him. To speak of his goodness. This is why the enemy tries so hard to get you to keep your mouth shut. He wants you quiet. He wants you to hide your faith. He wants you to hide the Holy Spirit's fire inside of you. He does. He tries to keep you quiet. Why? Because if you're quiet, if you don't tell the stories and you hide, then you're like a book with a book cover on the outside. Remember back in high school, they made you get them book covers. You had to make them out of like the brown paper bags. You draw on them. And all your science books, you didn't put science on. You put dumb science on there. Right? You hit it. You don't want anybody to see it. Now, why was the cover there? To protect it. But really, to hide the contents of what's inside. That's what the enemy tries to do to us. He does. And when you're quiet, people never hear the stories about God's faithfulness in your life. The Bible, who God is, becomes irrelevant and old. It's our duty as believers to share our faith. That's why for us as believers, here at Trinity, it's one of our big three. We love God and people extravagantly. We're committed to growing in our faith and helping somebody to grow in theirs. And we're committed to sharing our life and our faith stories with others. You have to share your faith. When's the last time you shared your faith with somebody? 
When's the last time you, you told somebody of something amazing that God did in your life? This morning as we were leaving, one of the guys in the first service, cool guy, he goes, man, he goes, I feel like I just need to tell you this. He said, I've battled insomnia all my life. He said, there's times, he goes, uh, I wouldn't sleep for three or four days. He said, and the weirdest thing, he said, I just, I couldn't get any peace. He said, I came, he goes, it's been two months, I gave my heart to Christ. He goes, and since I've given my heart to Christ, I go to bed at eight o'clock every night. Peace. That's a God story. So we think about that and like, you know, you're thinking, okay, Lord, you are on the move. You are doing amazing things. Don't be afraid to, to share your God stories. So one of the things is if we don't talk, if we don't speak it, people don't hear. But another thing is this. If what God's done in your life isn't prevalent in your life all the time, we forget. Aren't all of us guilty of praying for God to answer a prayer? And then as soon as he answers that prayer, we just run right to the next problem. And we forget about his faithfulness. Like sometimes we don't even get this, we don't even say thank you for what he's done in the past. Know this, beloved, when you forget about God's faithfulness to you in the past, those, when you forget all that stuff, that messes with your ability to trust him now and also in the future. Because you forget about that track record. And without trust and faith, you cannot experience God's peace. Peace is not conditional to your surroundings. Peace is something that God births inside of you. Peace is a fruit of the Spirit. It's developed by the Spirit's unction inside of you. So if you want to experience peace, you have to remember the faithfulness of God. Anytime, you know, for us as a family, when it gets tight financially or we get in a pinch, I always go back to the God stories. I remember God's faithfulness because he's never let us down, ever, ever. I remember we moved to Denver, <clears throat> and we came from Chicago, in our community in Chicago, all of the school stuff was paid for. We get to Denver, and they hand me this list. They're like, these are all the school supplies you need. And I opened it up, and it was like a roll of toilet paper. They just kept rolling down on the thing. I'm like, this is nuts. You need all this stuff for school? They're like, yeah. So Robin goes to Kmart, and it's a lot of stuff. So we had to make some provisions. And I said, okay, well, we're going to be eating hot dogs and macaroni and cheese for a month, but we'll make it. So she's in Kmart with a loaded cart. She's got the kids. You know, at that point, you know, Toby was probably two years old, maybe three. And she's already stressed out because of what's going on. And she gets in line and she realizes she forgot her wallet. So she starts freaking out. I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do. The guy behind her says, honey, don't worry, I got this for you. And my wife, the great one of faith, goes, no! I just got to get my wallet, no! And he tells her, he goes, listen, he goes, I just feel like I'm supposed to, God's telling me I need to take care of this for you. So he pays for all the school supplies, like $200 or so. And she comes back home. And she's crying. She's a mess. And we cried together. And we just we shook our heads. We're like, God's faithful. He's always faithful. Always. I've told that story probably 30 times. And every time I tell that story, it reminds me. It's like I'm right there again, sitting in the living room, crying, saying, look, God, look what you did again. Don't be afraid to tell the stories. Remember what he's done in the past. Psalm 77, 11 says this. I will remember the deeds of old. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old, or the deeds of the Lord. I will remember your wonders of old. So as believers, you have to find ways to remember God's faithfulness. That'll give you the ability to trust him. Have a blessing jar. Do something. You know, sit around the table with your kids. Share God's blessing. Keep him active. Keep him known. Let the stories of your family and God's faithfulness be known from generation to generation to generation. 
You've heard some of the stories of faithfulness from my family, my Greek families. You know about my Aunt Goldie. You know about my Uncle John. I tell the stories of my mother and my father. It's a way of remembering the things that God's done in my life. And then I pass them along to you. Things like healthy things grow. It was passed on to my father. He passed it on to me. I pass it on to you. And you'll pass it on to somebody else. Find ways to remember. Share your faith with others. Don't stay quiet. So faith starts with us by checking God's credentials. All that he is, all that he's done. It's by remembering how he's interacted with us. And then the next part of that, walking out in faith, is this. You have to make a decision to follow. Without faith, you know, without taking a step into the unknown, faith isn't faith at all. Faith means stepping into things that you don't understand and you don't expect. It just means that. Faith means making a decision to follow even when you don't know what's on the other side. As believers, we are not led by our feelings and our emotions. We are led by faith. That's what we do. Well, Pastor, I'm just not feeling it today. There's some days you don't feel like eating, but I can pretty much guess you're all eating right? There's some days you don't feel like going to work, but I can pretty much guess you're getting up and you're going to work. My kids all the time, you know, dad, I don't know if I can go to school today. I just, I don't know if I'm feeling it. Let me help you feel it as you get your clothes on and you get ready for the bus. Trust me, at some point you're going to feel it if you don't get up and get rolling, right? We're not led by our feelings and our emotions. We're led by faith. There's days in your faith you're not going to feel it, beloved. It's in those times you make a choice to trust and to follow. God, I don't see the outcome. I'm nervous. I don't know what to do, but this is what your word says. I'm going to take a step. Do you know there's a reason why Jesus calls us disciples? You cannot be a disciple without having an element of discipline, understanding who you are in God. That means that our faith is more than a feeling and an emotion. Now understand this, your faith is not void of feeling and emotions. That means when you come in here, you sing your, your guts out. When you come in here, it's okay to cry, it's okay to laugh. If you don't laugh, my talks are very dull. Don't just check your emotions in on the shelf, but we're not led by our emotions. We're led by faith, we are. Your faith is more than an emotion. In fact, the test of your faith is this. How do you respond when life gets tough? How do you respond when the bumps get higher? How do you respond when things like they're falling, you know, they feel like they're falling apart? Do you know that God will allow those things in your life to show you what your faith is really built on? It's when he pressurizes the pipes and he looks for leaks. It's in those times if you fail, that's not final. It just shows God, you know, what you're missing in your life. The things that you need to work on, right? That's what he does. Our Christianity is not just mountaintop experiences. Beloved, I love mountaintop experiences. I do. Because when God shows up, everything changes. But know this. You can't get to the top of a mountain without making a decision to take the first step so you can climb. I've climbed mountains. I've climbed 14ers. Let me tell you something. They stink. I've been on a mountainside for 14 hours. With all I had in my, in my pocket were Snickers and water. The Snickers don't last very long when you're on the mountain with TJ for 14 hours. But I can tell you this, when you get to the top, there's nothing like it in the world. All of the great moves of God we read about, 
all were birthed from discipline and prayer. People prayed. They sought the Lord. They saturated the ground with tears. And from their sacrifice, God came and he brought a visitation. They don't just show up. Discipline. Walking out your faith. Our faith is more than a Sunday encounter. God wants to be with you every day. To have a real faith, you have to be willing to follow the path that God lays out. You want to experience real peace. You have to be someone that is pleasing to God. You have to follow the path. When you do that and you start to receive the peace that passes all understanding, you understand that peace is more than an emotion. It's a reflection of the work of God in your heart. That's why you can be at peace and be constant in any situation. You can if you trust. Psalm 119, 165 says this. Those who love your law have an abundance of peace. Let that sink in. And nothing along their paths can cause them to stumble. So peace for us begins with a step of faith. Trusting God. And then the second part of this is then peace is propelled in us from being focused on God. We don't focus on our problems and our fears. We're not men and women of worry. We're focused on God. Look at the passage. It's right in Isaiah. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. So how do we keep our thoughts fixed on God? How do we stay focused on God? First step of this is very practical. I know this is like rocket science stuff, so hang on. I hope you can hang with me. Ready? Consume the things of God. Now, what do you mean by, you know, consume the things of God? What does that mean? It means this. Whatever you decide to consume, you will become. Plain and simple. How many of you remember, have you ever noticed this? Music to the older generation, every generation, is junk. My mother, when she was young, she dated Bobby Vinton. You know who Bobby Vinton is? Somehow, if you look him up, he was a 50s guy. Somehow my dad beat out Bobby Vinton. I go to my mom, I said, Mom, what were you thinking? She'd go, I don't know. Bobby Vinton. I could have been a Polish prince instead of a Greek guy. Didn't matter. So my mom, she said, the day she told my grandparents she was dating Bobby Vinton, my grandmother goes, that, all that, that 50s junk is just terrible. She goes, you guys have the worst music ever. It was in the 60s. Now, you know, the same thing. How many of you remember listening to your music when you were a kid? What did your parents tell you? This stuff's just junk. And what did we tell you? Well, I don't, I don't listen to the words. I just listen to the beat. <laughs> and now you go back as an adult and you read those words and you're like, my kids can't hear this right? It'll rot their brain. What you consume affects you. It does. You know, we just had Thanksgiving meals. You know, you guys just, some of you, you know, you ever wondered why after you eat Thanksgiving, you just, you feel awful? I mean, you prepared for this feast for three days. You eat it in 15 minutes and you eat combinations of food that nobody should eat. You know, like I can go to Perkins and for breakfast have like two eggs and bacon, but I could eat 37 deviled eggs on Thanksgiving. I don't know why. It's a, new, it's a superhuman ability that I have. And then you look at the table. You got turkey. You got ham. You got mashed potatoes. You got seafood. You got stuff that God, he put them apart for a reason. Some are in the water. Some are in the lake. He's like, don't eat these together. And what do you do? You eat them all in 15 minutes. And then you feel like you're going to die. Until 20 minutes later, you have a little bit of room for what? 
but not just one pie. There's probably four different pies. I'll take some pumpkin. I'll take some apple. Was that coconut cream? And what do you say? We all lie. I just want a little sliver. And all of those slivers equal two and a half pies, right? So you eat all this garbage, and then you go into the living room, and you want to die until seven, and then you make a sandwich, right? Why do you feel terrible? It's what you ate. You ate all this garbage at the same time. The same thing happens to us spiritually. Beloved, you cannot eat garbage spiritually and, and expect to not be affected. What you fill yourself spiritually messes with you. If you consume spiritual garbage, about what you read, what you listen to, what you see, you can't consume that stuff and expect to have a vibrant Christian life. I'm not telling you to put your head in the sand, but I'm telling you to be conscious of what you're taking in. Be careful. Be careful. Now, Jesus talked about this in Matthew 6. He talked about what we take in with our eyes. This is what he said. He said, the eye is the lamp of the body. You draw light into your body through your eyes, and it shines out to the world through your eyes. So if your eye is well, it shows you what is true, then your whole body will be filled with light. 23, but if your eye is clouded or evil, then your body will be filled with evil and dark clouds. And the darkness that takes over the body of a child of God who has gone astray, that is the deepest, darkest, darkest darkness there is. What are you focused on? What are you consuming? What you're consuming is what you'll become. What you're focused on is what you'll become. Some of you are captivated by worry and fear. I'm telling you this, guys. For some of you, you need to put down social media. I'm not saying it to be weird, and I'm not Amish. But what I'm telling you is this, if, if it affects you, if you go to bed at night and you're troubled because somebody posted something, let it go. Put it down. Don't focus on that type of garbage. Here's a little test for you. If you don't know if it's got a hold of your life or not, lay it down for just a week and see how you react. If you're like twitching because you're not getting your Facebook fix, you may have a problem. And we have a ministry for you. <laughs> CR's a great, come on Thursdays. Throw your phone down, say this, I can't take it. Facebook's anonymous, right? Instagram anonymous. What you feed yourself, you become. Romans 5, 8 says this. For those who live according to the flesh will set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, listen to this, will set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to, set the mind, uh, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and... You focus on the Spirit, you consume the things of God. One of the benefits of that is peace. Be at peace. So what does this practically look like? What does it mean to consume the things of God? Read the Word. There's no reason now to not get into a Bible study program. Everybody's got a phone. Get on the, the, the Bible app. Do a devotional. There's devotionals on everything, anything you can imagine. Get your nose in the book every day. Read the Word, read the Word, read the Word, read the Word, read the Word. Worship. Listen to worship. Invite God's presence everywhere you go. Have a worship concert in your car every day when you're driving to work. Make everybody around you think you're nuts. Listen to worship music at home. Build up your faith, read books, study, listen to podcasts. Understand this, books and podcasts do not take the place of the book. Get your nose in the book. 
I've got probably, I can't tell how many Bibles I have. God starts to ping me. I'm, a, I'm an old, I'm, I have all the technologies you can see, but I'm an old-fashioned guy. I'm a page turner. So that means when I get in there, I open up the Word, and I'll look at the Word in eight or nine different translations, and I underline, my Bibles look like a mess. I consume the Word. My goal is this, to hide His Word in my heart so I don't sin against Him. You know, there's a, there's a, uh, there's a passage when John was in Revelation. John the Revelator. God gave him a scroll, and he said, eat the scroll. Consume the book. Get it inside of you. So build up your faith. Read books. Listen to podcasts. And important also is this. Be with believers. We inspire each other. We build each other up. We fill each other with the things of God. We, we have our God stories. We hold each other up when we're falling down. When you drift away and you're gone, there's no Lone Ranger Christians. You've all seen, I'm, I'm old enough, I remember Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. They're showing you know, the peaceful animals out in the Serengeti. They're having a ball. Then you hear the music and you see a lion in the, in the brush. And he's looking for that weak one all by himself. Don't be that weak wildebeest. Be connected to the body. The second part of keeping focused on God is not just consuming the stuff that he wants, but, and this is super important, cherish your relationship with God. Don't take your relationship with God for granted. Cherish it. What does it mean to cherish? This is the definition to cherish. To protect and care for lovingly. You guard it. It's not something that's flippant. It's not like an exchange like money. This is something, it's a relationship. You have a personal relationship with the God of the universe. If you want to stay focused on the things of God, you have to cherish your relationship with him. How? By protecting the most important part of your relationship with him, you have to guard and protect your heart. When you spend time with God, you guard your heart. When you make room for him every day, you guard your heart. It's important that you make sure that that heart connection stays vibrant and stays healthy. Proverbs 23, 4.23 says this, So above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellspring of life, your heart. Matthew 6, 21 says this, For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Jeremiah 29, 13 says this, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Hebrews 10, 23 says this, Let us draw near with true hearts full of faith, with hearts rinsed clean uh, of any evil conscience, and with bodies cleansed with pure water. Let us hold strong to the confession of our hope, never wavering since the one who promised it is faithful to us. Why are there so many scriptures about your heart? Because the enemy is always trying to take your heart out. He's always trying to attack your heart. How does he do that? By injecting fear, worry, doubt, relational divisions. Think of the things, the dumb things, that have kept you apart from people you love. Some of you have people in your life that you haven't talked to in years. And for some of you, the day you, you realize that that was stupid will be the day that you're at their funeral. Don't let that day come. Don't let the enemy attack your heart and divide your heart like that. Every time we allow fractions and brokenness like that to exist in our heart and in our lives, we lose a piece of our heart. We do. Don't allow the enemy to do that. 
If he can get into your, if he can inject anxiety and doubt and worry and fear and brokenness into your heart, you know what he does? He shifts your focus. And when he shifts your focus, you lose peace. That's why we think peace is about an environment. It's not. It's inside of you. It's about alignment. That's what it is. But when your focus is right, your heart is right, and peace flows. Don't let worry captivate you. That's why Philippians 4, 6, and 7 is so important. It says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be, known to, be made known to God. What happens when you make your request known to God instead of holding worry and anxiety inside of you? You take it, it comes outside of you, and you lay it before the, the feet of someone that can actually do something about it. And it comes outside of you. You don't hold on to it anymore. You let it go. So you approach God with a thankful heart because we remember what he's done in the past and you lay those things before him. And then verse 7 is what happens after you do that. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. When you let those things go, God comes in. He just doesn't give you peace. The peace guards your heart and your mind doesn't make sense, but it's part of what God does. So here's the million-dollar question today. Have you lost sight of peace? Some of you are here this morning, and you've been harassed and helpless for a long time. Can't seem to find peace. God's here today to bring you back into alignment with Him. Faith, focus. Taking a step of faith, believing that He is who He says He is then focus, fixing your eyes on him, the solution, not the problem. That's a powerful combination. So today you may be here and God just needs to refocus your heart. You may need to come in and just give a fresh start. Say, Lord, from here on now, I'm just taking a fresh step with you. Now, some of you are here today and you haven't experienced peace in a long time. This is where the body kicks in. We're going to have our prayer teams up here and we're going to pray with you so that you can experience supernatural peace. And there's one other little piece of this. For some of you, God has put you in places so that you can be the agent of peace in those circles of influence. Here's the funny thing about fruit. Peace is a fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy. Fruit can be consumed by others. Do you know that the fruit that God grows in your life can be shared with others? Have you ever noticed that? If you're around somebody that's full of joy, I got to tell you this, man. We had a, what a great worship team today. BB, who's over here. Yeah, BB, she got the green dress on. How could you not smile when you see her? She radiates joy all the time. She could be taking trash out. She's smiling. And I'm just like, yeah! It's a fruit that you can partake. Peace is one of those things, too. Some of you have to be passing out peace. You bring calm into situations. You bring the heart of God into all the things that you need. So bow your heads real quick. Take a minute to talk to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit speaks to you just like he speaks to me. Just ask him. Say, Holy Spirit, will you show me how to be refocused on you again? Then ask him, say, Holy Spirit, will you show me where you want me to inject peace? And listen to what he Thanks for listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. We hope this met you exactly where you are. To learn more about us, 
head to our website at tccde.com or follow us on social media at Trinity Community Church. TCC, a home for you.